series that I've been talking about, the treasure principles. So um, we're moving on. This is the last Sunday. So if you want to take out your Bibles, I have a lot of a few scriptures that I want to run to. And uh, on your notes, there's also on your notes, but I want you if, you, if, you're, if you want to look in your Bible, Luke chapter 6, 38. I also have it on the PowerPoint. Luke 6, 38. Here's what God says. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together and running over. Will it be poured into your lap? For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the way you bless or hold back is what you receive in life. Did you know that? You reap what you sow, right? You, you're good to people. You're going to receive goodness. Now, there's bad people. There's bad things that happen. You're generous with people. People are going to be generous with you. You're stingy with people. Guess what? People are going to be stingy with you, right? Martin Luther said this. He said, I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. And then Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Let me read this to you. I'll read it to you again in a second. But it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Let's pray. Father, today, let the word speak to us. Lord, I know specifically as a pastor, I know that when, when the pastor or the church talks about giving, it ruffles feathers. I know that because it deals with our flesh, God. And Lord, this is biblical teaching. The Bible talks about this often, but often, even myself, we don't talk about it enough. You're a giving God and you want your children to be giving people. So Lord, let the word just go over our feelings and speak to our spirit, God. Let us excel in being people of, of faith and of giving and of resources for the kingdom of God. We love you and we thank you that you give us so much. So we want to give back to you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're from Texas, how many of you know where Texas is? Anyone been to Texas? Have a new family? How many, how many, know, how many know where the United States is? Everyone's hands should go up, okay? So, so the United States is a large country with many states different. And if you're ever down in Texas, you ever know down in Texas, they talk different down in Texas, right? You know, you talk about down in Texas, down in Seattle. You've ever been to Texas? So, so, so down in Texas, there's a, there's a city called Houston. You know that? Houston, Texas, okay? And so it's named after a man. His name was Sam Houston. And if you, know, if you understand, he was a general, a politician. He's a colorful one by that. And Sam Houston was probably not a very godly man for a while. But check this out. Sam Houston came to faith. He came a Christian. And after he came to Christ, after his baptism, Sam Houston said he wanted to pay half the local minister's salary of the church that he was at. And when someone asked him why, he responded, Hey, my checkbook was baptized too. So when Sam Houston got saved, everything about him got changed. Amen? You see, in the church sometimes we're like, well, I got saved, but don't talk about my money. I'm saved, but don't talk about my resources. I'm saved, don't talk about my gifts. That's none of your business, Pastor. It's not necessarily, but it is God's business. Amen? And so I'm going to preach the Word. I want to give you the full counsel. Some of you said, man, Pastor, I've just been coming to this church the last couple weeks. All you've been talking about is giving. This is the Bible. And so this is one-time series. We do it once a year usually. And I, I, I take no apologies for it, but I want to talk to you about this. Because you see this, Sam Houston, when he got saved, his whole life changed. And you see, in the Christian life, giving and living are inseparable. We should be giving people. Not only our resources, but our time, our faith. Amen? Our prayers. And so you might say, well, where do I start? Let me talk about this for a few minutes. The Bible is very clear. Some of you say, Pastor Stan, the Old Testament, 
has been abolished by Christ. No, that's, that's bad teaching. Christ came to fulfill the Old Testament. He didn't abolish the Old Testament. And some say, well, Pastor Stan, giving and tithing, that's an Old Testament principle. No, that was before the law. King Melchizedek, okay, or the king of Salem, came and, and, and Abraham gave a tithe, a tenth of what he had. This was before Moses set up the law. And so this was a biblical thing set before that. And so then in Leviticus, Leviticus 27.30, it says, A tithe, or tenth, of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy. So a tithe, a tenth, means whatever you earn, since we're not an agrarian society anymore, whatever you earn, a tenth of it belongs to the Lord. Okay? That's what the scripture says. A tithe means a tenth. Okay? In the Old Testament days, when they had the temple... The temple, there was the temple offering and then there was their tithe. So they gave 20 to 30 percent, the people did. Proverbs 3, I read this to you earlier, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Check this out. Then your barns or your checking accounts will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And see, then Jesus, well, let me go back. In Malachi, when the people were not giving God Challenge them. In Malachi 3, 8 and 12, you've heard this. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Listen to what God says in verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent... Pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord. So, so the, the people of God were withholding the tithes and offerings and he said, you're under a curse. And they say, how? Because you're not giving. And he says, when you give, though, I challenge you, when you give, I will pour out the floodgates of heaven and I will bless you. Amen? And he says, not only that, then I'll prevent the, the pest of the field and I'll prevent you from living a fruitless life. And God says, test me in this. Test me in this. Now, this is where our flesh, we don't like this. I'll be honest with you, my flesh doesn't always like this. It doesn't always want this, but this is what God is saying. Amen? Jesus then validated the mandatory tithe. And, and let me tell you this, Matthew 22, 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Now, see, Jesus wasn't saying that you don't have to tithe anymore. He's saying you should still tithe, but you should have love and grace. Amen? Jesus even went further with the law. So you say, well, Pastor, Jesus abolished the law. No, Jesus fulfilled the law. He is the fulfillment of the law. He is the grace of God towards us. Amen? And so he never abolished the law. He actually raised the standard. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Jesus is saying to the church, I'm raising the standard. Because he said, he said, if you, he said it, it's a sin to commit adultery, but if you lust with your eyes, that's also adultery. So he raised the standard. You see what I'm saying? So I hear a lot of believers. I've been a pastor. I've been in full-time ministry for now almost 25 years. I've had many people, well, that's Old Testament. I don't believe that. I say, well, then you don't believe in the Ten Commandments? You don't believe all the testimonies that God gave in the Old Testament? Jesus fulfilled those things. He didn't diminish them. Amen? Are you following me? All right, I want to finish up this treasures, uh, the principal treasures that you and I are going to deal with. So the first thing I want to talk about is this, okay? Getting started. Training wheels. How many of you know what a bike is? I've got to make sure you're awake. Some of you, like, you look like you're on summer days. You're like, 
I know some of you are traveling, vacation and all that. How many of you know training wheels are on a bike? How many of you were real good and you were able to ride your bike without training wheels? Anybody? A couple of you. Not me, man. I, I mean, I remember I crashed and, and then, you know, of course I got off. Crashed and training wheels, man, I was a, I'm wild on my bike sometimes. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Well, maybe I'm not. Anyway, training wheels assist in learning a new skill, right? Bike riding. Okay? And so let's talk about this. Training wheels in our faith and our giving. You see, now let me talk about this for a minute. Many believers, I've, I've met many believers say, I believe in grace giving, Pastor Stan. Uh, again, I, I, I believe that, that, you know, tithe is Old Testament, so I believe in grace giving. And what they mean by this is a couple things I, I've, I've, run, I've run into. One is they really do give as the Lord leads them, and they, they use 10% as their starting base, and they give more. I've met a, few, a handful of people, but really what it means is the people that I've met is my experience is, is those that say that they believe in grace giving, they use that as an excuse not to tithe. Statistics say, George Barna, do I have the statistics? According to George Barna research, 12% of born-again believers say that they tithe. 12% say that they tithe. Okay? Now that's good news because in the previous years, tithe was down in local churches in America 7%. But it's troubling because if we say we practice grace giving, then the tithe should be different, right? Come on, amen? I'm not a rocket scientist, but man, and I'm not a mathematician, but, but if only 12% of born-again believers are giving, then there's something wrong in grace giving, amen? Right? Again, God challenges us. He's, he's saying 10% is not the ceiling, it's the floor. If you're a grace giver, 10% is the beginning level. Amen? Tithes should be training wheels to launch us into a heart and habit of giving. God is a giver. Amen? He's a giver. God challenges us. I already read it. Malachi, I have it, 3, 10, and 11. It says this again. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The house is the house of the Lord where you go to church. Then it says that all these good things happen. I will pour out and do all these blessings and God will take care of you and it will be a testimony. God is challenging believers that aren't tithing today. Start tithing. Watch God bless you. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes I look at my checking book. I look at our bills and sometimes I wonder where does money come from? But we're faithful. We say, God, we're going to tithe. We're going to... We struggle. Everyone struggles, but there are times when in our lives we've struggled. But when I'm... God, I'm going to be faithful. I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. God always takes care of our needs and beyond. And it doesn't make sense in the world of economy, but God is a loving God. His scripture says, try me in this and I will prove that I am God. Amen? And so again, once as you learn, you begin to learn riding a bike, the training wheels come off. And once a believer learns to give, tithing becomes irrelevant. Then you start saying, man, I want to be a giver. I want to be a giver. God, how can I be a vessel of honor for you? Let me talk about the next thing in this principle of giving, the principle, treasure principle. Letter B is excel, excellent giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, here's what Paul says. Paul said, See that you excel in the grace of giving. You see, like playing a piano, giving is a skill that must be developed. Right? Just like if you practice a sport or you, you practice a, a, a skill for a job, with practice you get better, amen? It's the same with giving. Paul's saying to the church, 
Not only should you grow in your Bible study, your prayer, your sharing, but you should grow, you should have a yearly growth plan for giving. What? Yes, you should say, God, how can I give more to your kingdom and for what you want me to give? Amen? Again, God says, Malachi 3.10, I'll take care of you. Paul says, excel. 2 Corinthians 8.3, it says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. Remember we talked about the Macedonian church? They were in poverty and they begged with the church in Jerusalem, can we give? And they gave out of their poverty. Amen? Remember that? What does it mean? It means that we should say, God, let me push past my giving history in the past and go forward. Giving of my time, my talent, the treasures you give me. Amen? Come on, amen? Amen. This should be exciting, right? Some believers, listen, I've met some believers, they move from, they have a yearly or a five-year plan that they move from 10% to give 20%. And I've met one or two, and I've read many stories of people that say eventually our goal is to give 90% and live on 10%. Wow! Isn't that awesome? I've been in a church where the pastor challenged the church and said, why don't you give your salary this week to the Lord? And some people did. Wow! That's crazy, isn't it? But it's what Paul says. Excel in giving. Letter C. Give it now or give it later. Give it now or give it later. Some say, well, I'll give when I can afford it. You know what? That means you're never going to give. Until you start giving what you have. Amen? Amen? Come on. Or or I'll give it when I make more money. Why not give now? Because when you make more money, you're going to be more tempted to keep that money. Come on, that's good truth. Amen? 10% is still 10%, right? If you make $10, 10% is 10%. If you make a million dollars, 10% is still 10%. And if you struggle with giving for $10, you're going to struggle with giving with a million dollars. Come on, amen? That's good preaching, amen? So, here's the question then. Well, should I, should I give it now or should I give it later? I'm going to invest my money. I'm going to put it aside and, and I'll give it next year. My question then is how soon do you want to experience God's blessings? Now or possibly later if the economy doesn't crash. Amen? Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, some people say, well, man, if I can just I'll hold the money, I'll put it in a CD, or I have this investment, I'll hold on to it, and I can, I can do more, the church can do more if I give this big lump sum in about five years. That's like saying to your kids, hey kids, I'm not going to clothe you or feed you until five years. It'll be better though. I mean, you'll be able to have pizza, tacos, cake, you'll be able to go out to Red Robin, but right now I'm not going to give it to you. What would you do with a person like that? You would pray for them. They would go to jail for child abuse, right? And you see believers saying, I'm just going to hold on to it and and, and the church, I'll give it to you in a few years. You'll be okay. God says, no, give it now. Let me multiply. I'll even triple it in 100% possibly. Start giving now and I'll bless you now. You see what I'm saying? Do you want to be blessed now or do you want to wait till later? Do you want to play with God's money? Because it's really His money. Remember that? The first sermon? That... Because, you know, the the economy, I mean, in fact, I'm blessed to have a little bit in retirement. I got a retirement statement. I'm looking at it. I was like, oh, we took a hit. Are you going to play with God's money like that? When he said to give to your local warehouse, church house. Amen? Well, I don't know, Pastor. I I don't know about your leaders. It's not me. This is God's money. 
Whether you like me or not. Whether you like the church or not. Whether you like what we're doing or not doing. You're to give your tithes that belong to God back to Him. Amen? So give it now and be blessed. Or stand before God because you messed around with His money. Amen? Matthew 19.29 And everyone who has left house, brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields, for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. God says, man, I can bless your little bit and make it multiply. Remember Jesus took five loaves and a few fishes and multiplied to feed 5,000. We think, well, I just have a little bit. Give it and let God multiply it. Let God multiply your life. When you say, God, my life is yours, He will multiply it. Amen? Come on, Amen? You can see tomorrow, in fact, James, and I don't have time to read it, but James 4, 13-17, you really don't know about tomorrow. Tomorrow's not promised. Amen? Amen? Listen to this. Let me say this and I'll move on to the next point. God, listen, God rewards acts of faith done while you're still living. Not, I'm hoping to do this in 10 years. I'm hoping to do this in 5 years. I'm hoping to do this next year. God blesses you for your acts of faith now. Amen? Let me move on. Letter D. What will we leave the kids? Now, kids, don't get mad at me, okay? I'm just bringing a a Bible thought to your mind, okay? What about the children? Aren't we supposed to leave them all our money? Let me challenge you on something, okay? Leaving a large inheritance to children... It's not just a missed opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. It's also rarely in the best interest of your children. You see, we we are living in a day and age where people are becoming too dependent on everything else. Come on, I might step on your toes now, okay? We have too many people looking for handouts all the time. And we should help people that are down and out. We should help them get back on their feet. We should not enable them to stay down like that. Amen? And so we have this concept, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest all my money and, 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 and yes, I tithe and I gave all that and I, and I save money for retirement. And you should save money for retirement. It's a wise thing to do. But I want to challenge you in a thought, okay? Listen to this, okay? In the Old Testament days, leaving an inheritance was critical because children couldn't afford to buy their own land and, and, and they could become enslaved or they, they couldn't take care of their parents. Now we live in a different age. Most of the adult kids are now able, in fact, and I've told you this many times, my standard living is better than my parents' standard living. And my mom and dad didn't pay for my college. That came out of my, I mean, yes, they helped every once in a while. And, and, and when my mom and dad passed away, we didn't get a billion dollars. We only got a million. No. I mean, to be honest, we got, less, we got a lot less than that. I mean, we got pretty much nothing. But I wasn't expecting anything from my parents. Because God has made me self-sufficient in my life. My mom and dad did all they could while I was growing up. They did all that they could. They worked double jobs, triple jobs to put food on the table, to put shoes on. And my, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have electronic devices. I mean, it was just rough back then. Was Remember those, Remember those days? Oh, cable TV. Oh, my goodness. How did you guys survive? Man, well, I think we're better for it. Amen? But I didn't expect anything from my mom and dad. I didn't want anything from my mom and dad. They had already poured a lot into my life. And you see, now we're training our kids. Well, when mom and dad, when they kick the bucket, I'm going to get some cash. What are we teaching our kids? Do they trust in God or do they trust in you? And there comes a time, and some of you are going to get mad at me. 
There comes a time when you get, your adult kids need to start living for themselves. Amen? You can help them as the Lord leads you. You can set some money aside for their future. But if your kids don't learn to trust in God, they're going to always be trusting in someone else. I'm not attacking you, but I see it too many times. Christians, well-meaning in their kids, and they keep bailing their kids out, and their kids never learn responsibility. Well, little Raphael crashed the car. Little Sally, she just she keeps flunking out, or you know, she just keeps losing her cell phone. There, there comes a time, and I can't afford to buy a new car for my son. I don't have a son, Raphael, you know, or or if if my girl's lost her cell phone, it's like sorry, I can't replace them all the time. What are you teaching your kids? Responsibility is not being taught. God calls us to be responsible. Amen? This is good teaching. Amen? Kids are like, eh, Pastor, you're a jerk, man. No, I love you. I want you to trust in God. I want your mom and dad, and, and they can do what they want as the Lord leads them because He will tell them what to do. But here's what Andrew Carnegie, remember he was one of the richest men of his time. He said, the almighty dollar, I have it here. The almighty, um, let me find it and read it again. The almighty dollar bequeathed to a child is an almighty curse. No man has the right to handicap his son with such a burden as great wealth. Because if they don't have character, if they've never earned it, they've never saved it, they're not going to know what to do with it. Do you see? We see all these spoiled millionaire sports stars and their lives are a shambles because they don't know how to handle it. Come on, amen? We see these people that win lottery and they don't know what to do, how to handle it. But you see, when you've invested, when you've saved, when you've worked hard, when it's your money, you know how to invest it. And when you do have a million dollars, a billion dollars, then it doesn't own you. You own it. Amen? And when your children learn, yes, you can help pay their college bills. You can help them with a car. I mean, my parents did a lot of stuff for me. And I told you that when I graduated from high school, they gave me two gifts. Remember this? Well, three, actually. Let me have a car. One of their older cars. They gave me a camera and luggage. So when I went off to college, I had a car, a camera, and luggage. And there was a message in that. We love you. Bye. You're on your own now. We'll help you when we can, but you're an adult now. Do you see what I'm saying? Help your kids become godly adults in time. Amen? Spoil them when the Lord wants you to, but don't rescue them all the time. Should you leave inheritance for your kids? Let the Lord guide you in that. Help them as the Lord leads you. Now, parents, you can blame me and I'll blame God, okay? So when you tell your kids, we didn't leave anything for you, and your kids come looking for them about 20, 30 years, remember, it was God. Remember God, all right? Teenagers, young people, don't blame me. I love you. I want you to have faith in God. God is your provider. He might, it might happen through your government. It might happen through your parents. It might happen through friends. But God is the ultimate source. He will pour it through different avenues. Amen? Trust in Him. Amen? He wants you to learn how to be a good steward. Letter E. Why has God entrusted so much to us? Why has God entrusted? Again, Luke 6.38. Given it should be given. Okay? Randy Alcorn. I'm going to try to read this to you. Randy Alcorn said in his book called The Treasure Principle. He said this. The more you give, the more comes back to you. Because God is the greatest giver in the universe and He won't let you outgive Him. Go ahead and try. See what happens. 
There was a man, his name was, was uh, R.G. Letourneau, and he invented earth-moving earth machines in the early 1900s. He is a guy that gave away 90% of his income and lived on 10%. And the money kept coming in faster than he could give it away. In fact, Letourneau said this, I shoveled it out and God shovels it back. But God has a bigger shovel. This man was a billionaire. And he kept throwing, every time money would come, he would give it out. He took care of his family, took care of it. He lived, he lived just a, a, a simple life, but he kept pouring it out. And God blessed him as he poured it out. You see, God has given you and I, living in this country, considerable material blessings. Come on, just say amen to that. Where else can you go down to the grocery store and have 55 different potato chip bags? Come on, amen? You can go to the frozen food section and there's a whole section just of pizzas, right? Come on, amen? And, I, and as I told you this, I mean, where else can you go and there's like a whole aisle just for your pets? Come on, right? In other countries, they're like, pets are our dinner sometimes. Some of you are like, what? No, we live in a blessed country, amen? Come on. And so you say, well, what am I supposed to do with that? You're supposed to be a good steward of that. Have you ever asked yourself, why has God provided us so much in this country? Why has God blessed us so much? You know why? Because we need to be a blessing. I know it's not politically correct and people get mad at me, but did you know the United States is usually one of the first countries when another country has a disaster? We're one of the first countries there. Hey, what can we do? Here's some supplies. Here's some money. Here's some manpower. Why? Because at one time we were Christians. And we still have that faith. Did you know usually when there's a disaster, who's the first group that's there before the United States? The church. Believers are there saying, what can we do to help? The convoy of hope was we support. They, they, as soon as there's a disaster in anywhere in the world, they get there with food, water, medicine, with, usually within 24 hours. It's the church that does that. And the church in America, did you know the church in America still gives a lot to missions? We are the, the largest missions-giving country in the world. Did you know that? Why has God blessed us? So we can continue to fund His ministries all over the world. Did you know that? 2 Corinthians 9, 10 and 11 says this, Now He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Listen to this. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion as through, uh, as through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Did you see what God wants to do? Some of us think that having riches is wrong. It's not wrong. Some people think having money, some people misquote the scripture in Timothy, money is the root of evil. No, it says the love of money is the root of evil. There's nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with having a good job. Nothing wrong with having nice things. As I told you, I like nice things. But I want to be a good steward of what God gives me. And God is saying, I have prospered this nation. I have prospered you in this nation. Well, Pastor Stan, I'm, I'm broke. I'm, I'm, you know, this has happened. Let God restore you. And let you be then become a river for God. Amen? Amen? God made us so rich so we can be generous on every occasion. God has given us more than we need, not just so we spend on ourselves, but so we will be a river of blessing. My prayers have changed in the last decade of God help me meet my needs and to the point, Lord, yes, thanks for meeting my needs, but Lord, help us to begin to pour out where you want us to pour out. Let me be that river. Let our family, let this church be that river of blessing, wherever you say, whether it's time, resources, people, a helping hand, encouraging word, whatever it is, God, let us be a river. Amen? Amen? 1 Corinthians 4.2. Listen to this. 
Maybe that blessing, that extra check that you got, that blessing, that, that financial gift came in. Maybe it's not just a blessing. Maybe it's a test. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Maybe God said, You know what? I will wipe out your debts, but I want to see what you do with the extra. Are you going to give a little bit of it or are you just going to keep it for yourself? Sure, I gave you a bonus and it's cool that you went on vacation and it's cool that you paid bills, but are you going to give a little bit more to some other ministry? Are you going to help someone else or are you just going to keep it for yourself? Think about that. I know I'm tainted, some of you, but think about that. Again, 2 Corinthians 8, 14 to 15. At that present time, your plenty will supply what they need. So that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. In other words, there will be a time in your life when you're in need. Remember that? You're going to reap what you sow. And God says, you know what? When, when that church over in that country were in need, and you bless them, and when your church is in need or you're personally in need, I'm going to bless you. I've told you many times the story before we came here. When we left the church we planted in Salt Lake City, Utah, we were without, without a, a regular income for six months. Three months, I had no money, no check coming in at all. And I know I, I, know I told you the story, but it, still, I still can't, it baffles my mind. I, went, I even went to the unemployment place to, to start getting unemployment, and they said, you didn't make enough money last year. They, that, that's right. That's how when you come for unemployment, you don't make money. And they're like, yeah, you didn't make enough money. I was like, I don't get it. Had a negative income that year. But we still paid our house payment every month. We still had food on the table every week. We still had gas in our car. Was able to pay our health insurance. Because God had blessed me for being faithful in the years before. And so when I was generous with people in the years before, and then when I was in need, they were generous with me. And so you need to be generous all the time because you never know when your tough times will come. And you don't know where the blessing will come, but because you were faithful, God will bless you for being faithful then. Amen? So be generous. Amen? Don't hoard it for yourself. Amen? Good preaching. Amen? Let me move on. For such a time as this, and I'm going to get down to the end. For such a time as this. How many remember who, knew, who uh, Alfred Nobel is? Okay, he, he's the one that came up with the Nobel Peace Prize. Okay, you know that? Nobel, Alfred Nobel, he made lots of money by selling dynamite. He invented and sell and sold dynamite. In fact, when his brother Ludwig uh, Nobel died in 1888, uh, Nobel Alfred Nobel was looking at a newspaper and his head sunk as he looked at the newspaper because it said that Alfred Nobel, the merchant of death, is dead. And an editor had mixed the names up with his brother, him and Ludwig, and so that it shook him so much. Alfred Nobel was so shaken by this quote that was out that the merchant of death has died and they, they railed against him because he made millions of dollars selling dynamite so other countries could kill each other. And so, and, and so Alfred Nobel, made a, he said, I'm not going to do this. He, he said, I'm going to change my legacy. So eight years later, before he died, he changed his legacy and he gave over $9 million to fund what's now what's called the Nobel Peace Prize. And he changed his legacy. How, people, some people have no idea that Alfred Nobel made dynamite. They think, well, he just was this nice Swedish guy and he made this nice prize, peace prize. Alfred Nobel was known as the merchant of death. But he realized he needed to change his legacy. 
And you see, you and I still have time on this earth. Amen? Letter A, five minutes after we die. You see, some of you, I know it's a hard movie and, and it's like, oh, it's rated R, but Schindler's List, when you become older, you, every believer should see that movie. It wakes you up to say mankind can be pretty evil and we need to be about rescuing people's lives. And at the end of the movie, Oscar Schindler, he, he, he's crying and he's wondering, I could have saved more people. And he says, like, I could have sold my car. If you remember the movie, I could have sold my car. I could have saved more people. I had this gold pin. I could have sold this gold pin. I could have saved more people. You see, Oscar Schindler longed for a chance to go back and make some better choices in his life. You see, unbelievers, when they pass away, they have no second chances to relive their lives. And they cannot make salvation their choice. But listen to this. Believers also get no second chance for life when you die. The time of doing something is when you are alive. The time of giving of your income, the time of giving to ministries, of praying, of reaching your family, that only happens while you're alive. And as I've told you, I've never met anyone, I've never heard of any story of anyone on their deathbed saying, I wish I would have worked more hours. It's always, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would, have, I would have led more people to the Lord. I wish I, wish I would have gave more to the church or more to homeless people. I wish I would have done more for God. That's generally what I hear when people are on the deathbed. I've read accounts of people. So ask yourself, five minutes after you die, you're going to know exactly how you should have lived. And ask yourself, am I ready for that time? Five minutes after I die, I'm in God's presence. And you're not going to care, but you're going to say, did I live my life the way God wanted me to live my life? Did I waste my time? Did I invest my time? Was I a good steward of the resources? Did I give the ministry gifts that I had to the church and to the people around us? Missionary C.T. Studd said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You see, once your life is done on this earth, it's done. And so my question for you and I, we get so caught up in the American dream, live, live big, live large, live in charge, and, and, and God is saying, okay, live big, but let me be in charge. Let me take care of you. Invest in me, invest in people, amen? You see, we have a chance now, like Alfred Nobel, he had eight years after, after that, then he passed away. We have a chance now to do something more strategic, and that's reaching people for Jesus Christ. That's by sending money ahead. Remember I said that in the first sermon, that whatever you invest here for the kingdom of God will be multiplied in the kingdom of heaven. So when we leave this earth, we'll be known as people who accumulated it? Or are we people that said, I lived and I gave everything away before I died? I lived my life all for God and I didn't waste my time. Letter B, the gift of giving. The gift of giving. Romans talks about it says that, in fact, let me just read this to you. We have different gifts, different gifts, according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is, listen to this, contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him give, govern diligently. If it is mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Did you know that some believers have the gift of giving? Did you know that God has empowered some of you with the ability to make money so that not just for yourself, so that you can fund His work throughout the world? I think of interstate batteries. If you don't understand interstate batteries, they're a Christian organization. And sure, they make lots of money, but they give a lot of money away. I think of Chick-fil-A. 
I think of other Christian people that had, like this uh, L.G. Letourneau, who, who lived on 10% and gave 90% away. God gave them the ability to make lots of money. Instead of wasting it, they poured it into the kingdom of God. And you see, some of you have the gift of giving. I know, I know in a lot of churches we have a don't ask, don't tell policy of giving. Well, that's, that's private, Pastor Shane. You're, that's none of your business. It's God's business. And if I'm going to preach all the word to you, the whole counsel of God, I'm going to talk about this on occasion because God wants you free. God wants you to be a giver. Now, some of you specifically, we're all to give, but some of you have an ability that goes beyond us. And you have an ability to manage and handle money well. And some of you, again, some people are surprised. I, and I know you, I said this a couple weeks ago. There are people that come to me and say, Pastor, when are we going to receive more offerings? Pastor, when are you going to talk more about giving? And I know someone's like, I can't wait till you get done with this thing because I don't agree with it. Then God is doing his work. Amen? Come on, Amen? Once a year you get this. It's good stuff. Amen? You see, how can, a, how can a church know if we've reached our missions goal if we don't tell you and challenge you? How, can we, how do we not reach our heart for the house goal if I don't give you a goal and tell you how we're doing? Amen? I mean, church would be foolish if we didn't have a business meeting every year to look at our, our income and outcome and say, this is where we're at and we need you to give more. We need you to give less. And I, I, would, be, I would be excited and say to the church, you know what, we have enough. Stop giving. I'm an optimist, but I'm also a realist. And the reality is that's probably not going to happen in, on this time. But I, I challenge you to make it so. Prove to me one day when we say, you know what, we don't need any more. Just stop giving for the next couple months. Well, give the tithes. Amen? Give it to missions. Give it to homeless people. Help people out who are in, help, in need. Amen? You see, God has given people the gift of, of giving, the ability to, to make resources. There's nothing wrong with being rich. Nothing wrong with having things. Amen? Let her see a sense of destiny. And there's a scripture that I, I want to go on. Let her see a sense of destiny. Remember what Mordecai said to his, his cousin Esther in 4, uh, 4.14? He said, If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will come, will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish and who knows that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. I already mentioned this, but just as Esther was in a position of privilege, so nearly everyone living in this country is in a place of blessing. There are people who would love to have your bills. There are people who would love to have your cell phone. Some of They would love to have your car. They would love to have your jacket. They would love to be able to ride on a bus to get to work. They would love to be able to go shopping. See, if you can read or you've been educated, you're in a place, a place of privilege. Amen? Come on. If you have food, shelter, and clothing, you're in a place of privilege. Amen? Come on, amen? If you have a cell phone or some sort of transportation, you are in a place of privilege. Amen? Come on. You are, and I've said this before, you and I, if we live in this country, yes, there's poverty here, yes, there's people that, are, that are, have problems, but in this country, as a whole, the United States of America is, is in the top 13% of income. You remember that whole thing back in the Occupy Wall Street, and, and they were, was it the 5% they were talking about, 3%, I can't remember the number now. And we, some of us were like, yeah, those rich people, but if people from outside the country, they look at the United States, they all think we're rich. I remember going to Mexico, down in Chihuahua. 
And they were spitting on our car and telling us to go away. You rich Americans, go away. They're like, I'm a poor college student. They didn't care because they had a perception that we lived in America. And if you live in America, you're blessed. Amen? Come on, you are in such a, a time as this to be generous. 2 Corinthians 9.11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Why not be a blessing? Amen? Thank God for all the stuff you had. Save your money. Go on vacation. Have retirement. That's all good. But also be a vessel for God when he says to give something away. Amen? Don't hold on to it. Just be a vessel. Amen? This is good stuff. Amen? We live for such a time as this. The last thing is, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? Will you live on this earth only concerned about your needs? Will you miss out on many blessings because you hoarded and you didn't give as God gave to you? Will you let the fear of not having or the fear of a failing economy keep you from giving and living by faith? Will you invest your money in temporary companies that will not make an eternal difference? Let me go on next step. Will you invest your money in companies that don't share your values and morals eternally? Will you move from being a taker to becoming a giver? Will you trust God to meet your every need and become a giver? Will you allow God to be your God this morning? Amen? You see, Acts 20.35, Jesus said to Paul the Apostle, and everything I did... I showed you uh, that by this kind of hard work that, that we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. And, he, and Jesus said to Paul, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And then finally, I'm going to read it to you again. I said this scripture a lot, Luke 6:38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. God is calling His children to be like Him. He is a giver. He gives so much. And I'm not talking just of your money, but of your time, your resources, sharing your faith with your coworkers, your family, your friends. Amen? Helping us. By the way, let me tell you a quick little story. Uh, Ahmed uh, has a, a feeding ministry. that They, they go down, uh, I think they start going down twice a month down to Franklin Square Park. I, went, I had the privilege of preaching there a couple weeks ago. And we went down there and we preached and we fed... We fed the people food and, and, and they gave out clothes. And I thought, you know what? Our church can give out clothes to these people. And so in the next few weeks, as the Lord leads you, don't, don't do anything but the Lord leads you. Ahmed is going to begin to collect clothes, use clothes. I mean, they were, they were fighting for anything that we could give them. Shoes. I think, how many shoes did I just throw away? Or I, I give, do give the Goodwill Salvation Army that I could take down to these guys. And I, and I watched these little kids and I watched these street homeless people and, and they were, some of them had shoes that were worn out or they were bigger than their feet. And their clothes, I thought, Lord, we've got to get food and clothes to these people. So I'm asking you to pray about us as we're going to begin to partner with Ahmed and the other Christians and the other people that go out there to help them that maybe you would want to go down there and you'd want to help serve the food. Maybe you could go down and you could bring a case of water. Maybe you could bring some old shoes, some old jackets and in the wintertime as it gets cold, maybe some blankets. Would you pray about that? Would you say, God, show me what I can do to be a blessing to someone else? Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? Would you stand? Father, you're a giver. Jesus, you paid the ultimate price by giving your life on the cross for us. And that, God, you gave your life so that we could have eternal salvation. And so this morning, Lord, maybe there is someone in this room 
that has not given their lives yet over to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're calling them Jesus, and you want them to commit their lives to you so they can enter into, the, into eternity in heaven with you, Lord Jesus. So I'm asking this morning, Lord, that you'd speak to their heart right now. And friends, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I'm just going to give you a moment. And I've talked about this Jesus. I've talked about his life. I've talked about him being a giver. I've talked about, even just briefly, that it says that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father except through me. So I want to give you an opportunity with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you want him to be your Savior, would you just quickly raise your hand and say, that's me. I want Jesus to be the Savior of my life. I've never done it before. Okay, I see no hands, so that's good. So let me pray now. Lord, you've given all of us 